0: You ask a lot of the players around you to to grow in certain ways and I think it's it's only fair that you as a mentor, as a teacher, grow right along with them, if right. not more. So I think the, the the growth that I've made personally has been based on a lot of teachings that I've put in front of them. Yeah. You know, you, you put things in front of your kids and you get to the point where you say, it is a lot of things, what you talk about, what you communicate, but it's so much how you model the behaviors that, that you're looking for out of your family. Right. And if you don't model those behaviors, then it, it really, it makes no difference what you communicate because what you do is HD quality to those kids. They see, they see everything that's going on. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now, here's your host. Jeremy Sheetinger.
1: Broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. This is your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect the very best baseball minds in our game. That's what you came for and we 1,000% delivered that to you with this week's show. I am fire it up to have our coaches connect with coach Corbin one-on-one face-to-face like you've never heard him before and it's waiting for all of us on the other side of this intro so just hang tight first with a reminder subscribe review and share subscribe to this show on your phone your computer your tablet all the links on twitter you can also find it on our website or wherever podcasts are free we'd love to see reviews five-star ratings are always appreciated and plus share this show in all the ways you can to keep spreading the great word Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, ABCA.org. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about, plus our upcoming Dallas convention, guys, is a little over 30 days away. If you haven't registered, make sure you do that. All that information is there on our website. You can also feel free to reach out to me directly at CoachSheets3 on Twitter and Instagram or by email at sheets, S H E E T S, at abca.org. Shout outs this week to a few folks Brett Christensen from Park Place Christian in Mississippi. He had the share on Twitter diving into those podcasts so he could grow and learn. Much appreciated, as always, Brett. Jeremy Snow from Lords University in Michigan, Cameron Coplets in Wisconsin. Pat Barrett at West Virginia Wesleyan and Matt Whitten from Charles Henderson High School. They were all earning their degrees inside of Automobile University. Guys, you pass with flying colors. And a special shout-out going across the gray pond to Liam Carroll former podcast guest great britain national team manager loyal abca member avid podcast listener and a little known fact is an advice dropper for me inside of my dms with the dynamite unwrapping of the highly sought after abca membership card it was so good and detailed and we expect nothing less from you my friend so thanks to all those dudes look forward to catching up with each of you when we get to dallas Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. They jumped on board to support our Calls in the Clubhouse podcast, and it was their desire to reach more coaches that made this marriage a perfect fit. Again, as the official helmet of Major League Baseball and the Bay Ruth League, Rawlings is proud to introduce their latest innovation, the new mock EXT batting helmet got a facial extension piece. It's something you're going to want to look at with its sleek profile that allows for optimized ventilation and impacts high-performance padding. That's going to absorb and disperse force, and the Mach EXT is simply engineered to perform. Additionally, the Mach's extension piece provides additional facial coverage and protection without limiting visibility because, as we all know, coverage equals confidence. It's available in both junior and senior sizes as well as one and two tone versions. And you can buy the all new Rawlings Mock EXT batting helmet and the entire product line on their website Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings R A W L I N G S.com. And we hope to see you join team Rawlings today. Now, as many of you have been tracking our social media timelines a few weeks ago, You may have noticed a stop over at Vanderbilt University that was a little off course. Well, we're working on a pretty big time project and details to be released at a later date coming soon. And spoiler alert, you're going to lose your minds. It's going to be awesome. But I looked around and we had cameras there. We had mics and we had the Vanderbilt baseball classroom. So we just made it happen. Coach Tim Corbin, one of the most exalted coaches in our game, this year's recipient of the ABCA Dave Kylitz Ethics in Coaching Award, beyond well-deserved on that, and one of the guys that coaches cannot get enough of. I mean, it's truly his spirit of learning. We see him on the front row taking copious notes at every convention. He listens every single week to this podcast, which I know i got to show up and ball out because he's on the other line. He seeks out folks in the baseball community to learn from. I mean, he is just simply special and he's a friend. He's a brother in baseball. He's one of my personal coaching idols. And we sat down with him and just talked. I can honestly say that my intention from Jump Street was to deliver a Tim Corbin interview like you've never heard before. It's intimate. We go deep on this one. We don't just pull back the curtain. We rip it off the rod and it is awesome fully transparent and keeping with the spirit there's humility on the line throughout and there's more nuggets of audio gold than we could count so broadcasting from his classroom in Nashville Tennessee we welcome in Tim Corbin the head coach at Vanderbilt University he is our guest on this week's dugout chatter episode get ready coaches this great show is coming at you right now So coaches, welcome to our Calls on the Clubhouse podcast. This is one of our first on-site locations. We're here in the Vanderbilt baseball classroom. We're hanging out with Coach Tim Corbin, again, fellow friend of the ABCA. Um, this is your third time on the podcast, my friend. How excited mm-hmm. are you? Well, it's the first one visually. <laughs> it is. It we is. It should have been at Well, second, park. we had a convention. We had a yeah. convention. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm in your home turf. Wow. Well. Yeah, you've been here before, though. That's true. It's all good. (laughs) That's great. Episode 10, episode 65. uh, This is unique in that we get a real chance to spend some time together, really talk through a lot of different topics, and we hope to get to a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Where we have to start, and we always do with our shows, we talk about the ABCA. Now, this is important to you because you spent a great deal of time as a member then crossing over into the VPs and to becoming president, mm-hmm. now serving on our board of directors. Can you just give our, our listeners, again, could be a first-time listener, your your interpretation of what the ABCA means to you?
0: Well, I know you go through this with everyone that you, you speak to, so yeah. I, in no way do I want to come off redundant, but it, it was just, uh, I guess, the the confidence builder for me in a lot of ways because sure. I was coming from college and entering my first convention and as I said the first time you asked me this, I was looking up to a lot of people yeah. as if these people were, which they were, wonderful spirits yeah. um, and teachers. And there's a, there's a great feeling of trying to aspire to be like them at mm-hmm. some point. You know, you went away from no longer wanting to be Carl Yastrzemski or Ted Williams, but now uh, Augie Garrido That's or right. a, a great, great coach. Uh, not Not thinking that you would ever get to that point, but uh, at least be, being given the opportunity. So I, I think more than anything, it was just an opening of learning for me and, and just trying to start to understand the game because I think in a lot of ways, Sheets was very primitive in nature. Mm. I was a New Hampshire kid, hadn't been around a whole lot, uh, played a Division Three school, right. but there was no such thing as fall baseball. So I think just as important to my growth was the, the fact that a... Uh, Coach allowed me to be a student assistant in football too, so that that did help. And the, the small college uh, growth was uh, was beneficial for me because I, I started to understand myself a little bit. But uh, the, mm. the conventions kind of brought me to the point of uh, understanding that that was there was something out there, there was more out right. there in terms of learning and maybe the possibility of of entering the, the college field one day as a teacher.
1: How about that? Well, I did the math, this is your 34th convention.
0: Mm-hmm. 34, mm-hmm.
1: I'm 37. I'm just gonna help you put, bring all this together, put this in perspective. Yeah. Um, here's what's really neat though, is and, I, and you've talked about this before, you got to spend time as your first few conventions around the guys that I, as a little young baseball nerd, mm-hmm. knew about the Bobo Braytons, the, the Skip Burtmans, the, uh, the John Lincolns. You got a chance to watch those guys, John Scalinos. Mm-hmm. You got to see those guys on stage. How how was that experience from a younger coach that has maybe no idea who these men were? These are the men that really built college baseball as to what we know it today.
0: Well, I think first it was watching the College World Series on TV, you mm-hmm. know, as a as a college student and um, going back for the summer and prior to playing summer baseball watching that play out on TV sure. and, and then start to understand some of those older coaches like Jerry Kendall and and Absolutely. Coach Lincoln and and Gus and and so on and so mm-hmm. on and then understanding what type of figures they were and then wanting to be in front of them to listen to them yes and then by listening to them then you start to understand that oh okay there's there's a coach over here at a smaller school and his name is coach Scalinus, and he has a wealth of knowledge and a great sense of humor <laughs> right. and he's a person that can keep teaching real yeah so i think through that and through television albeit it was minimal mm-hmm. it, it it was an, another product that led me to to wanting to to get to these conventions so that you could learn and listen to,
1: to some of these older
0: people who had a lot of wisdom and knowledge.
1: Take me to a moment at a convention where I'm, I'm picturing you as a fly on the wall in some situation with those legends or sitting around talking. Do you have a moment you can think about where you're kind of an earshot of these conversations these guys were having as they broke down the game? Yeah, you, di- you didn't want to be that guy that, you know. Was, Eavesdropped. Yeah, because right. you,
0: they look at you a little <laughs> bit different, but... Um, the convention talks that I that I remember the most, you know, Mark Johnson, Coach Scalina several times, Gordy sure. um, Gillespie yep, was absolutely, was, and I really loved Ed Ed Sheff. I, I thought Ed Sheff was intimidating, <laughs> but yet I, I loved his style. And when I when I was a coach at Clemson, we got to play them in in Hawaii, oh, wow. Lewis and Clark, and. That was a very enjoyable moment because then then you could start to see it play out and what makes this guy tick and what what, is, what do his teams actually play like? Are, sure. are they that intimidating mm-hmm. themselves? And they, they were. They, they was, it was just, you could see why they were successful. And then I think it, it came back to understanding that details were really important. The sure. smaller things were important, fundamentals were important. It wasn't uh, this glorious new um new new idea about baseball. it was right. just doing simple things really well
1: wow that 's well put. I, you brought up Clemson. I always think about coach Leggett. that was one mm-hmm. guy I watched on in Omaha, I watched mm-hmm. him on TV, and of course he brings that fiery intensity that almost that football mentality to the baseball field mm-hmm. um, i 've never asked you how was it being around him you mentioned a minute ago how much you learned from him? Can you kind of crack that shell? Well, he was the best.
0: Uh, I saw him play. Uh, He he played in the Maine Twilight League. And I I lived in um, Wolfboro, New Hampshire, growing up. And I I got to watch him play on our high school field, watch him play some third base. Hmm. Uh, He and Eddie Flaherty and a host of those former Maine players. So it was easy for me to follow Coach Leggett because his name was recognizable because he was a football, baseball player at the University of Maine and a good football player and then watching him go from Vermont and build a, a very good program there and then transition to the south and go to Western Carolina, yep. which was a little bit unorthodox, but at the same time, he built such a powerful program down there, kind of at the mid-level region, but yet they 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 played in a lot of regionals and, and uh, were very good. And uh, then, having gone to presbyterian myself and right. developing that relationship and really our relationship was uh was brought together through my now wife you know maggie was mm-hmm. the one that really put us together he interviewed me and when he interviewed me then then we came together and he he gave gave me the opportunity to at, at Clemson, which I'll always be grateful and thankful for, but you know more than anything, I, I it was like working with your best friend every day because mm. I just loved him. I loved everything about him. He was such a positive guy. He had such a good spirit, um, but he was intense. Yeah. And I think it was just his childlike way. Once he got onto the field, you could tell that was a playground for him. He loved to teach. He loved to well wow, teach all aspects of the game. And I fell in love with the game of baseball at a greater level because of how he introduced it and how he taught it
1: wow okay that's there's a lot to unpack there one thing i want to really crack it it really dive back into is you as young head coach coming from presbyterian Mm -hmm. and now getting the big jump to jump to clemson now you're in division one now you're in a totally different animal of clemson acc all that stuff that that comes Mm -hmm. with it when you're around a guy like that what are the things can you detail that maybe you thought you knew as a, as, as a young head coach mm-hmm. that getting there you're like, man, I wasn't seeing the big picture. I wasn't, I didn't have the experience coaching this way or teaching this way. <clears throat> Were some of those things that would jump off to you?
0: Well, I, I think I was just a coach that was in the Gulf Coast League, and he was a coach that was, you know, in AAA or in the big leagues. Okay. You know, he yeah. had just had many, many experiences. Sure. And he had a wealth of knowledge, knowledge that um, I did not have, and mm. I was wanting So um, at Presbyterian, as a coach, I was just doing everything I knew. I I didn't, whether it was good, bad, and different, I just was doing what I knew. And I was putting together lesson plans, and because I didn't have uh, an assistant coach right away, I was coaching in in parts. And then we were able to... not hire, because we didn't have any money, but we were able to grab some coaches that were kind enough to give us their time. Convince. Yeah, convince. <laughs> and uh, yeah, somehow find a way to, to, to gravitate towards us. And uh, then it, it just became uh, what we knew. But what, what Coach did is he, he, uh, he was able to bring it together for me. You okay. know, He was able to bring structure and organization and detail and mm. taking a fundamental and almost in a motor learning way teaching it from, from okay. the ground floor to the outcome of what it should look like on the other end. And um, since I was a physical education major, it, uh, he, he made sense of that. You know, that, mm. Then what he did is more than anything, not only did he make the game of baseball clearer to me, but what he, what he did Unbeknownst to him yeah. is he brought my major he brought my major to me from a teaching standpoint he gave it some clarity on brought it to life brought it to life yeah. on why you would teach in, in certain ways so i just i just found him to be the ultimate teacher and i know there's a lot of good teachers out there and mm. you you are who you're exposed to but i was sure. just fortunate enough to be exposed to just a wonderful
1: guy sounds like he's like the ultimate process oriented coach right
0: yeah he was process driven uh, very much growth oriented was a learner himself right but I liked the football baseball part of him because he had that in him you know when he, he took when he approached the field there was uh, there was some football in him you could see yeah, it yeah and it was continual motion are um, I, th- I thought we transitioned well through our practices And he really treated the practice day as if it was the most important thing. Hmm. And the reality is, it is the most important That's right. It's really how you you build the engine of your team. And uh, I thought he did such a a great job of not only teaching the kids that he was involved with during my nine-year tenure, Mm -hmm. but bringing up a coach, bringing up a young coach and getting him from point A to to point B. So. uh, yeah i'll always look at him as as that person that was the most instrumental person in my life at that time
1: wow i could be off on this Mm -hmm. if you had this before you got to clemson but i feel like when i watch you coach when you think when coaches watch you coach when i personally watch you um, you have an intensity to you you're very ultra competitive ultra competitive on the field did you get that did that get amped up at clemson did that get kind of tweaked or harnessed or nurtured under his under his watch
0: I'm sure. I mean, you know, I think okay. people you're around, you start to take on part of their personality. That's what I'm getting at, yes. Yeah, I think that's only normal, Sheets. I, yep. yeah, I think i uh, been fortunate to be around him for a long period of time, and then you pick up other things from other coaches that are around you, whether sure. it was DJ or whether it was Travis or whether yep. it was Josh or whether it was Eric or. Or Brownie or any other coach you've been around, you take on certain personality traits. And uh, But Jack certainly influenced me that way. But I've always been one that enjoys, I've never enjoyed the slow pace of baseball. I've always right. felt like if you can take that environment, and what I enjoyed about football is it was continuous. It just never sure. stopped flowing. Yep and i always felt like baseball could be taught in that way even though it's not played out that way once Mm -hmm. you open the curtains on a on a play at the same time you can make it an enjoyable process for the kids if it if it flows and there's some movement activity and it doesn't really stop too often so that uh he certainly inspired me that way and then i think you know after after leaving jack and, and clemson then you start to focus in on things that you, you loved about your time there and you try mm-hmm. to bring them to light here. Yeah, And that's what I've done and and we've done with the people that have been here and and you just try to grow upon that every year.
1: That's it, well you walked right into my spider webs, that's where I'm okay. coming, is right here. Yep. Um, taking this job, okay, now mm-hmm. this is, I think any coach listening to this knows what they think they know about Vanderbilt. We see it, mm-hmm. it's on social media, we know what Mandy is. What was it when you got here? I think paint the picture for our, when you walked in here. What was kind of the history of the program? What was the uphill climb that you saw? What was the vision that you had for the program? Can you crack that one?
0: I well, it was, it was the academic draw that that made this a, uh, hmm. a a place that we wanted to be at. And I say we, you know, whether it was you know my wife and I, but yeah. I, I felt like the academics, uh, the conference that it was in uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. I think all of that was very attractive. Now, it, at the same time, when we first got here in 2002, Coach Mewborn had spent a, a, a lot of years here. Yeah. And uh, to his credit, he, he was not giving, giving right. very much. Right, right. Um, he had worked very hard for a long period of time. The school, uh, on his way out when he retired, at that point, they built a, a small stadium for him, and they, they gave him lights, but it was at the end. And it was, sure. I almost felt like he's this guy that's worked all, all these years, and then all of a sudden he just hands this over to some young guy that's an assistant coach at Clemson University. So I'm very grateful that, that he did that. Right. Um, Vanderbilt just didn't have the opportunities back then that it has now. Right. And I think that when I first came into uh, that situation, I was very open and I wasn't the person that was going into that situation to say, okay, I, I want to I spin this culture. I want to change this culture because I think it was the same as how I went into uh, my own personal Marriage with Maggie, and she had the two girls. If I went yeah. into that situation and say, "Okay, girls, I'm here to change the culture," they would have looked at me and said, "You know what? We we're pretty damn good when you yeah, weren't here." <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think it's really it was just blending, blending my thought processes and personalities into the program, and trying to create an environment that would uh, allow the people inside of it to grow. Wow. And it it, it took time. It wasn't certainly overnight. Yep. Um, we had some good times during that first year because we were able to get to an SEC tournament and that was something that Vanderbilt hadn't done in a while so that one thing led to something else and then the growth came but you know it's it's been 17 years and I know when you you look at Vanderbilt now you think of the nice facilities and look at everything and I see the nice facilities but I see so much more I just remember the walls and I remember the the times when we didn't have these things and that that always stays with me and it keeps me very grounded.
1: I love it Oh, my yeah, there's was no doubt humility is, is present. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back to this You know any you know young head coach you mm-hmm. got a fire in their tummy and they're ready to get get rocking in, into a new program And now you're in the SEC now you're you're taking on a program that it's almost you have you have a ceiling that really hasn't been built yet mm-hmm. Did you see a vision for the program that you could get it to this sustained? Place in the elites of the elites of college baseball. Did you see that back then when you took this job? Mm,
0: well, I was hoping we could we could make a some type of move where we could be quite competitive. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, to sit here and say we yeah. win a national championship. Right. I, I didn't know that. Right, I didn't know if we were capable of that. I, I didn't know if we were capable capable of adding another thousand seats wow. or or getting a batting cage. Sure. So everything that we had was I don't know it's like Miranda Lambert's house that that song that she sung about it, the house that was built whatever mm-hmm. you know it's just this house that doesn't have much in it yeah and then all of a sudden you add to it and we just added to it because the home grew a little bit with with support staff and people yeah. and a little bit of success and because of that then it just elevated itself it was like uh you know the snowball effect you start to get a couple of guys that may have not entertained coming to Vanderbilt and now they do sure and program grows a little bit more it uh, stimulates more conversation stimulates a little bit more growth and then 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 you start moving but uh, I can't tell you though that we'd have this type of success or this I think the thing I'm most proud of, and the, and the kids and the alumni should be most proud of, is the sure. consistency. There it is. Just the consistency of, of what we've put in place yep. for each other, and because of that, I, I think that's that, that's what we're proud of.
1: Well, culture is apparent, and I know it's such a buzzword in, mm-hmm. in our climate, but the culture here is apparent. I mean, watching you play, walk around these facilities, heck, sit in this classroom, the Vandy boys' mantra, that, that whole family atmosphere that, that, that's been built here. If, you ha- if I put you on the spot as kid, you can define what this culture is in here. What, what are the pillars? What does this group stand for? What does this program really encompass?
0: Well, the Vandy Boys slogan was, when I first heard it, I, I didn't really care for it. <laughs> I, I heard it, and I go, okay, Let's be real. Yeah, okay. Vandy Boys. Yeah. You know, what's that mean? <laughs> and then, uh, then actually, I, I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I could see how the guys who coined it were very proud of it. Yes. And I, 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 I understood it. And I started to understand their pride behind it and what it meant. And I think, like anything else, it's it's just some it's some standards and values that are important to yep. your family yep. that you deem necessary and that you aspire to live up to. And they're ingrained, um, not enforced, but ingrained yep. through daily actions. And because of that, they're the family and the people. The alumni, the extended family, right. everyone holds each other accountable for them, mm. and uh, so I, I, you know, when when Donnie passed, I, that's the first time I really, in my mind, I tried to define what Vandy Boys was, and you can see on our wall, yep. it's a builder and protector of a culture with a deep compassion uh, uh-huh. for for one another, and that's that's really what came to my mind, and uh, you know. I think you are a protector you know when you're a, when you're a dad or you're a husband or or you're an older son you're a protector of something you're a protector of your name you're a protector of what's important to you and I think with these kids they're very protective of what they have how they've built it and how they want to maintain it Mm. and maintaining something is just as difficult as building it absolutely and I would say that at this point, right now, we've got a lot of help because these kids who do come back and share time with us during the November and December and January months, you can feel how important that is for them to continue to sustain it. And they mm. they make the other people, other uh, kids aware of that too by how they how they speak to them, uh, how they address them, and um, how they think things should should be inside this culture. It's
1: unbelievable. Um, I think about, in our podcast, as you know, we talk a lot about growth. And I Mm -hmm. think that's such a, you know, for a lot of the younger coaches that listen to it, it's hard to see so many years down the road. For a coach with your perspective, it's easy to look back and chronicle that in your mind. You know where you started at this whole thing, and you know where you sit now. If you went back and you looked at young Tim Corbin that started coaching, and you're coaching football and baseball at the same time, and working your way up to these different positions to now – years and years here at Vanderbilt, how have you grown as a leader, just, just as a leader, not as a teacher of baseball, but as a guy that's gotta stand in front of young men and direct and move and, and build a culture and move a program, how have you grown?
0: Well, I, I, hopefully I've built some personal awareness, which I think is really important. Okay. I think there's a, you know, being a coach can sometimes be very dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's your effect, your way, your words, Um, especially when you're young and you're emotional and you are intense you can say some things sheets that can be hurtful that uh, you regret yeah you regret (laughs) and uh, if you could go back you wish you could change now you can't change it but what you can do is you can modify and I Mm. think uh, you ask a lot of the players around you to to grow in certain ways and I think it's it's only fair that you as a mentor, as a teacher, grow right along with them, if right. not more. So I think the 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 growth that I've made personally has been based on a lot of teachings that I've put in front of them. Yeah. You know, you you put things in front of your kids, and you get to the point where you say, you know, it's. it's it is a lot of things what you talk about and what you communicate but it's so much how you model the behaviors that that you're looking for out of your family. Right. And if you don't model those behaviors then it, it really it makes no difference what you communicate because what you do is HD quality to those kids. They see they see everything that's going on. They they watch your relationships with your wife. They watch your relationships with your your own children. They watch your assistant coach's relationships with their kids.
1: That's right and I miss a beat
0: yeah they don't and you can't manufacture those things either i mean you are who you are so i think it's i i started this off by i think the awareness part was just being aware of your own being yeah and how you're growing as a person so that uh, you can help others around you grow to a, to a greater level and i think that's mm. probably where i've changed the most i've been a little bit more sensitive i can't tell you that uh, from an intensity standpoint, I mean, there's just certain things that you are who you are, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my shirt sleeve. But at the same time, they're real, and uh, I, I only try to, you know, I'm just trying to help help these guys move forward.
1: Right. An area that that I certainly try to model after seeing you do this. And, and it, was there a moment where you decided that after a game, post game, win or loss, that left field line. Wasn't as much, so you needed to move it to the dugout. Do you remember that that, that moment where you decide that this is where I need to be at post game? Yeah, that's growth as a leader to me. There's recognition well, that that's not necessarily what I want. I want to be in this space. Well, it just
0: became a classroom on the field. There you go. I've, I've always thought is it's a semi-circle of communication, and I, I think mm. with communication is as a coach, you can stand in the middle of a group but there's only half of the group is really only getting the full message that you're trying to convey to the group. Hmm. In order to deliver a message, they, they need to see the intent, they need to see the voice, they need to see the face, they need to see the wow. eyes. And I just felt that there were too many times where if you were out in the outfield, there were a lot of distractions, there yeah. were people, yep. there was, you're in external spaces. Mm-hmm. And if you get inside of a dugout, you start to work back now into internal spaces where hmm. uh, your back is against the wall and not that you need everyone's attention, but let's face it, if you're going to convey a message and you wanna communicate, don't waste anyone's time. That's it. Take the one minute or two minutes and make that one or two minutes important and make it important for the listener yeah. and otherwise yeah. don't don't say anything. Yeah. You don't have to talk just to talk. So I just felt like that, that space in and of itself was important only if your back was against the wall and you had the attention of the listeners, and they were in front of you, give them what you want and leave it at that, and yeah. then move on, rather than ranting and raving and being emotional in the outfield, sure. which has happened before.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing your communication skills at that point dialed up too.
0: Well, I think you're more in tune because because you have people's attention, you have to be on. Yeah, you have to be more in tune with what you're saying, but that you know, that that doesn't. You know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after the game not not the best time to sure. address a team if, sure. if things go, you know, sideways South. on, the, <laughs> no on the scoreboard. So, <laughs>
1: no
0: you know, I'm not great at that, but uh, <laughs> I think it's it's best delivered 24
1: hours later when you have an opportunity to kind of gather your thoughts. Wow. You know, you brought up Maggie and also the girls. I think there's such a neat dynamic here. And, again, knowing you the way that I do and being around Maggie and, our time with when we hang out with the board Mm -hmm. um i I think you Mm -hmm. have integrated your family into your program maybe as well as any coach and and maggie's place in within your development Mm -hmm. personally Mm -hmm. as we were talking about before we got recording you balance family and baseball as good as anybody and i think anybody listening to this corpus would love to hear how you've been able to balance that again we're all hungry we all want to be great coaches we all want to win every game Mm -hmm. but how have you created that balance how have you really towed that line
0: well, I think a lot of it has to do with your mate. Okay. Uh, it's it's someone who's able to share your passion, mm-hmm. and, which is now our passion. And I, I say that it, it's 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 the truth. Yeah. Uh, she she's had several opportunities to do what she's wanted to do. She has a business degree. She has mm-hmm. her MBA. And we're at the point right now where our girls are, have left the home. They're 33 right. and 30, so they're no longer here. That's a big deal. There's mm-hmm. a lot of coaches out there, high school, college, junior college, what have you, yep. that have young families. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult to intertwine young families into an environment. We just happen to be fortunate, and, and I'll give Maggie a lot of credit, everywhere we've been, whether it's, I wasn't married to her at Presbyterian, but when we went to Clemson, I was and we lived not a mile from the ball field. So it was very easy to cohabitate in that area, yes. bring Hannah down after tennis, yep. uh, put her in the facility, let her throw a ball up against the wall, take some swings in the cage, <laughs> and integrate her into um, baseball. It was very yep. easy for Molly to come down and just use the field as her as her dance hall. And <laughs> then coming to Vanderbilt, um, Hannah was, Molly had left, and Hannah was on the backside of her high school career, and yeah. the, both girls, you know, just always loved what we were doing, you know, with with the boys. They looked at them as yeah. big brothers. Now yeah. they look at them as small brothers. But I, I think now it, it's just Maggie and I, and we just feel like we have, don't want to overstate the importance of coaching, but we just feel like we have a role as as being, just that other set of parents that are looking after someone else's children for the three or four years that they're here and and that is important because uh there's a there's a female in their life and uh, we do have other females in in this organization Mm -hmm. but maggie being the coach's wife uh, she she enjoys that role she enjoys coming every single day and watching us train Mm -hmm. and she enjoys coming to watch us play but I think for her, it's the training and the practice part of it is just as important so she can have communication with the kids. That's right. She keeps her distance. She's not over, doesn't go over the boundaries, but at the same time, it's it's important for her to understand and know the kids and their personalities.
1: You know, and, and, and she's like the dead mother in, in a mm-hmm. lot of regards. I, what I know about her enough to know is that there were times, I'm sure, that you brought a lot of baseball home with you. The loss, um, mm. something went wrong, and you bring that to home. I'm guessing she called you out on that.
0: She did because it's it's not fair. It, right. It's not fair at all. And I, you know, it, it, when when a coach goes home and shares his frustration with his wife or girls by not talking or yeah. staying silent, that that's that's not good behavior. Yeah. And, and that that's that's been me. I mean, you know, it's that's been me several times over. You know, mm. staying in the office. An extra couple of hours just to cool off uh, yeah but what, what good does that do anyone it didn't do None. any it didn't do me <laughs> any good and I, I think you know from a from the wife standpoint the girls standpoint they're probably thinking that's you know that's odd behavior yeah. you know and when one way he's talking to the kids about doing things in a certain way but yet here's the teacher or here's the mentor and he's acting in this regard you're crossing signals and that's wow. that's not fair to anyone uh, so um, I think you know. You talked about learning. I think you know. Even a guy into his late 50s, you're still trying to modify your behaviors so you can better the experience for yourself, better experience for the people around you, yeah. and um, just try to enjoy it more because uh, that's that's what it should be. At, at the sure. heart of it, you, you should try to enjoy what
1: you what we've all put in front of one another. That's it. That. Well, they're part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned this a couple times, and, and, I, and obviously we put you in this category as a lifelong learner. guy. that's dedicated to constantly challenging yourself, always find a new way to grow. I know that you make calls in the off season. You, you do things that uh, you're finding ways to challenge yourself. Has that always kind of been in place, or did you have to – almost work your way into it or learn your way into that. Hey man, I've got to continue to get better. I can't just lay down on what I know right now. Did you, did you grow into that? Or is that something that's always been with you?
0: Well, I think I'm competitive and I think I'm competitive to the point where I wanted to keep up. Okay. And I don't think this game was always easy for me as a, as a young person. Okay. I, you know, I, I didn't have the I didn't have the foundation that a lot of coaches it in certain areas of the country had sure it was just you know i played all sports uh i can't really this is no knock on anyone that's ever been around me in new hampshire but i i there, there probably wasn't a, a teacher out there that could explain the game in a mm-hmm. way to me that that made sense so right. i felt like even as a college kid i was still learning the game and then as a young coach, it was like, I wanted to learn as much as I possibly can in the sh- okay. in, in a short amount of time. So during that time, and up to this point right now, I think it's just continuous listening and learning because I, I feel like you you're always as a coach, I think you're always trying to recreate yourself in some way. right. it's It's the older coaches that you've learned from. And now it's a younger group of people who are, uh, there's ways of teaching and ways of communicating and and verbalizing uh, different fundamentals that I really want to get my hands on. I want to learn it. I want to understand it and see where it makes sense. But I think what's most important is you've got to stay current with your kids. There you go. And if you're not growing with your kids, you're growing away from them. That's, That's been said. Yep. And I know that for certain. So I think that the challenge is to continually grow with your kids and be very cognizant of how they're learning, how they're speaking, what's important to them, what they're listening to, and what they want to do. Mm. And while you're doing that, try to maintain the standards and values that are important to you and never move too far away from them while you're doing it.
1: To stay relevant, you got to stay current. You drop yeah. that on me in Indy yeah. on the convention floor. I think that, in relative to the obviously the explosion of analytics and data and technologies and how they really change game mm-hmm. and they've changed coaching. And I think the the lesson that we're trying to work through on the grassroots level, especially with coaches out on barnstormers or maybe it's through the podcast, is that mm-hmm. there's a piece of this that you got to understand. It's not going away. So the sooner you can embrace it, right. understand it. Use what you can, don't use what you don't want to use, but, right. you, but your, our kids are at a place where, and I'm sure you see this on, on the on the elite levels, is they're just more educated than they were 10 years ago, 20 years mm-hmm. ago. They know more, they have access to more information than they ever had before. How has that, that fight to stay relevant and that fight to stay current and this explosion of, of even just technologies and data and the numbers, how has that challenged you as a coach and how have you embraced it? Well, I
0: think you have to embrace it. Uh, uh, but at the same time i think you have to use things in moderation okay uh, th- th- this still is a complex game yes. and it's a complex game because it's a it's a very hard game you you can't wrap your 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 hands around it or arms around it so i think there's a there's a simplicity about it that needs to exist in order for for kids to to grow inside of it gotcha. it, it can't be so complex that it becomes a a math problem Mm -hmm. or or something that grows above people because at the end it's about competition and there a lot of this is just humanistic now how you evaluate it and how you can describe the outcomes of certain events are are done by analytics right but it's not played that way it's still played by humans and And it's still played by repetition and acquiring skills and then acquiring skills and then engraving them and perfecting them. Mm. I think what's changed the most is the ability for kids to see motion themselves in motion and watch what they're doing so they start to understand where their hands are going when they make a move to the ball or where their body is going when they make a move down the slope of the mound Mm -hmm. and I think those are the things that kids are able to put their hands on and well put their eyes on yeah and and see so that they can make those adjustments Um, explaining it I think it takes a, a very good teacher to take all of that information, but dummy it down yes. and present it in a way to a person where they can understand it and they can grow from it. Yep. Um, so I, I just I just think a lot of it sheets is, is moderation, but yep. as you've pointed out many times on your podcast, you, you have to be aware of it and you have to learn it yourself, yep. um, but you, you you have to choose what you wanna use and what you
1: don't wanna use. That's right. Um, I, I love the dynamic that, that now that these numbers Um, using the use of technology. The way that coaches are being able to use them is now, and I think you would agree with this, it's taken player development to a completely different place in that before you could flash back and remember what he looked like at 18 and look at him at 22 and said, yeah, he's gotten better. Mm -hmm. But if you can measure it, Mm -hmm. that's a completely different animal. Have you seen player development really maybe in between your ears even shift a little bit? You see it differently based on what you have in front of you with data? Yes. Yes. you're never losing that element of vision but at the same time the numbers back up the story
0: was probably brought to it by dj first when derek johnson was here I right think it, it to me it grew from a pitching standpoint first i think that's I agree. Yeah, that's, totally. that's where it started yep uh, at least in in my thoughts and that was when when i was first here and and dj and ron woolforth and mm-hmm. tom house and many many people that's when i i, I thought that the analytic side of pitching was growing fast and then <laughs> it, it, the the hitting started to Whoa, wait just a minute you know this is where pitching's going we've got to keep up yeah. and then you you start to see what what it, it looks like today i think when you're trying to explain movement or you're trying to explain spin or you're trying to explain the axis of a breaking ball and showing the the differences in numbers versus your fingers being here, or your fingers being Uh here, and then how you're entering the zone with your barrel Mm -hmm. and the ability now to see it and and the number that defines that entry point. Then I think that's when it it begins to to help the hitter and Mm. and help the pitcher. So I just think it's more defining the information, defining the movements with a number and, and cameras that allow these kids to grow
1: when i had to sit back and think about questions i want to ask you three mm-hmm. three things always come to mind when i think about your corps is, is number one is humility because it's parent. Mm-hmm. number two is servant leaders i know that means a lot to you
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's another piece of this that's appreciation for others and we were talking before we got rolling here about you know i worked camp here in 2007 right. and i saw you about six months later at convention you remembered my name and i was just coaching nai baseball at the time mm-hmm. um, that said a lot to me about who what you're made of your, your core mm-hmm. your your character um is that something that you've had, or is that something that you've kind of learned the hard way? That, man, I need to be better in these areas. I need to be more humble. I need to show more appreciation. I Need to find these avenues to serve other people. Has that something you've grown into, or is that something you just came out of the womb with?
0: Well, I, I hope you know you've continued to grow in that right. in that way. I'm, I'm sure there's times where you you'd like to be a better human than what you were, but sure. I, I just think it's. Uh, I just think it's my. It, my foundation, you know, being right. from a, I'm a small town kid, uh, small high school, uh, small college. Uh, I just think it was my background that, mm-hmm. that led to, I don't take anything for granted. Right. I, I just never taken a ball or a bat or any equipment for granted. And I'm, I'm sure that comes out many times over mm-hmm. when I'm with our team. You know? Sure. know. The walls change. It's great. It's great. We have these nice facilities and these walls, but you know, inside I'm seeing how they got to this level yes. right here. And and sometimes when you're a young person and you're given something, you don't quite understand the value of it because you don't quite understand how you got it. Hmm. You know, it was given to you, but you, you don't you don't understand why it was given to you. So I, I've tried to maintain that thought process on why. We have what we have, and I also understand that my seat could be had by anyone. Anyone could 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 have the Vanderbilt head coaching position and uh, I just there hasn't been a time where at any point that I've, I've taken it for granted mm-hmm. and I just feel like whether you're a ticket taker, whether you're a concessionaire, whether you're someone who uh, works in and around the athletic facilities here. Yeah. Uh, you know it takes a lot of people for things to function and uh, just try not to leave anyone out. I mean mm. it, it, just, it doesn't matter who they are and I, I think the, the kids and the staff we all we all think along the same lines when it comes to that. Sure, um, But you know whether it's your name or anyone else's name it's, it's just tre- treating people the right way. That's, that's all there is to it and that's probably <laughs> where we're deficient sometimes as males.
1: That's you're dead on there, servant leader. Mm-hmm. Define that personally to yourself. How, how do you see that that dynamic? Mm. Do you see you see yourself as one in that spirit?
0: Well, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what how I see it. I don't know if I can define it all the time. Okay. Sheets. Uh, I just feel like in a lot of ways. You know, we talk about Vandyboy and the protector. I I just feel like in a lot of ways that. Uh, I'm just the elder, elder spokesman, and the uh, the mentor and the teacher for the group. Yeah. And I've said this before too. Yeah. You know, I hate to be redundant. I just feel like I'm the bus driver. You know, I'm the bus <laughs> driver that's on the bus, and everyone's sure. on the bus doing what they want to <laughs> do. But I can't take my eyes off the road, and I feel like that's I'm just trying to help the organization move from day to day to day mm-hmm. and create the the best environment we possibly can for the kids while they're growing inside of it hmm. and I feel like uh, there I have a lot of responsibility that goes along with it there's a lot of buckets there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of, of attention to detail that I can can't go to sleep on and sure I think it's why why your mind spends a lot on okay this has to be done you need to make sure you communicate here you got to think about um, what we're going to do in the outfield here it's just you know it's just one thing after another so it's it's uh, I feel like a caretaker. That's it. That's it. I just mm. feel like a caretaker, a caretaker of a program and uh, trying to operate it for the betterment of everyone that's inside of it.
1: It say a caretaker that serves his program and serves his players.
0: Yeah.
1: The word impact. That's mm-hmm. something that that I think anyone that starts to see the bigger picture that. Um, and you, I, I give you this reference all the time and I love it when we talk about ego, is you gotta have an ego to realize at times you have to check your ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and you gotta be able to be, be willing to do that. And to be willing to do that is to recognize that it, at the end of the day, at the end of your, our lives, it's not about us, it's gonna be about other people. So mm-hmm. really it really comes back to the word impact. What's that word mean to you?
0: Impact to me is, is how you blend your personality into someone else's and, and how you can help help them through time, and patience and experiences uh, make the right choices that are going to benefit them as a person mm. I think that's that to me is, is impact it 's just helping young people make good choices in their life that will benefit them moving forward mm. and choices that won 't won 't embarrass them five, ten years from now right and we 're all you know, we all make mistakes. We all do. And we step on our toes. Uh, That's okay. Mm -hmm. But that's why I really like the college environment because we have a chance to lift people up after they do that or after we do it as leaders. You got an opportunity sometimes as a leader to make a mistake and your players are picking you up. And that's That's a good thing. So, um, yeah, we're all in this for, for one another. But that, that to me, that's the impact piece right there. It's just the ability to uh, help people make quality choices in their life that's going to benefit them.
1: Okay. What about the word success? What's the relationship with that word? How do you define it? Mm. We ask the tough questions here at ABC.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> success is just bringing people along, groups of people along, teams along, organizations along in a way that uh, they can feel fulfilled with mm-hmm. the experience, and they can feel growth. I don't think success, it's it, 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 certainly not holding a trophy up at the end of the year. Because right. there's, there's only a certain amount of teams that are able to do that. Mm-hmm. At least from my vantage point, I think that's where I got some help from my wife, because you know, there are were, there were times where you you've complete a year, yeah. and then you go through those two or three week doldrums where you're sulking and complaining about not finishing a season That's in the right. way that you wanted to, and I can remember vividly Maggie saying to me, "She goes, if if you're going to be chasing the last game and you're only going to be, you're only going to feel success by winning the last game, she goes, you're going to die a a very disheartened man." Mm. And uh, she basically said that you're going to have to find fulfillment in other areas of what you're doing. There it is. Yeah, and that was that was you know, and sometimes it it takes uh, your partner to to bring something to light enough to where you'll you'll take it serious enough yep. to make some adjustments. Yep. And I've tried to, and I think I have, but at the same time, it's it's a work in progress. It it, it is, but. I've um, doing a whole lot better job of that than than I was when I first started this because I think success back then was just, you know, it's winning the next game. Yeah. And listen, everything that we do wouldn't be here. If we're losing a bunch right. of game sheets, you and I aren't talking. That's it. But at the same time, you have to keep it real, and you, you, your, your compass can't be pointed there all the time. Otherwise, you're never going to reach those goals for the kids.
1: As an avid listener in our podcast, you know, the narrative that continues to come out of our shows, which is, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I love playing this angle, is helping coaches realize, like I did not have as a coach, mm-hmm. that relationships are paramount. Above all, relationships are what truly matters. Almost coaching with the end in mind. If you left right. the game 50 years from now and you're left relationships, can you be happy with that? What's your, what's your relationship with the word relationships or with relationships in general?
0: well it's it's foundational to trust there you go in order to to be able to teach and in order for another person to listen and emotionally be in, buy in to, to what you're what you're talking about yeah. or what you're presenting yeah. there has to be a, a level of trust and again I don't mean to keep bringing this up but I think you know from a step parenting standpoint that's mm-hmm. that's where I had to start you know I had to start on the trust part first it wasn't sure. about he had to build the relationship to the point where um, the girls said, okay, we, we finally, we trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, now we, we believe that what he's saying, he, he's got our best interests in mind. And I think that's, that's the way kids have to see it, too. They have to believe that you have their best interest in mind in order for them to, and I know it's been done different ways. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of successful teams that the kids may have not necessarily felt that way right. about right. the coach whatever sport, mm-hmm. and they got through it. Yep. Um, does that mean it was a great experience? I don't know. Experiences are valued in different ways. Mm-hmm. But I, I think from a, a relationship standpoint, I, it ha- I, I think it has to be, uh, regardless of what relationship you have with the kids and what yeah. type of relationship you want, uh, I think that has to be at the forefront of, uh, of coaching.
1: Well, as a guy whose mailbox is flooded with wedding invites and uh, mm-hmm. birth announcements, mm-hmm. does that catch your fulfillment? I guess, in this whole coaching thing, does that does that really fulfill what you're what you're looking for out of this?
0: It's it, like Bruce Brown said, it's the paychecks. Those are the paychecks that you get from uh, from coaching and yeah. teaching. and it is because they don't have to include you. That's right. They don't have to you don't have to be there at their wedding. but uh, it's 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 nice to be included and uh, it's nice to bring. You know, it's nice for Maggie and I to be exposed to that and watch the next level of growth. And it's um, nice to see them have their own kids. Mm-hmm. It means you're aging,
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: also it, it, it's fun to watch your former players interact with their kids and watch how they took their experiences and and now are sharing them with their own children yeah. through their own teachings and through their communication.
1: Yeah. There's a word that I think coaches use somewhat loosely because it's it is tough to define mm-hmm. is toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, we demand it. we want it. We want it for ourselves, we want it for our kids, we want it for our teams. a lot of coaches, if you if you said, hey, give me three words that you want to define your team by, mm-hmm. toughness is probably going to be in that conversation more often than not. Where does that word stand with you? Well, I think that's that's a human trait that has
0: to exist no matter what you do. Okay. and I don't you know you certainly need a level of that if you're a Husband and a father, yep. uh, and, and a wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> the the level of toughness that you know our, our our wives have, and we as males, we we walk around, we go through our lives, we do what we do, and and then these these people who give life to us, we have no we have no understanding of what toughness is right. or recovery is. And and they do. So, you know, as I bring to light in this classroom, you can learn a lot from your moms and your sisters and and people around us that way, because I think as males, sometimes we give ourselves way too much credit. But yet, um, you know, through teachings, it's it's the most important thing that we can do as teachers and coaches is relate in a way to these males so they will understand their own being and their own spirit and their own awareness. I mean,
1: mm.
0: these devastations that are happening, whether it's you know, whether it's California or mm-hmm. whether it's Parkland, Florida, or whether it's Sandy Hook, these situations aren't created by females, they're created by males, right. misguided males. So when you start looking at the people that we're in front of every day, it's, uh, you're trying to build better Better males you're trying to help with the fibers of the kids and how they think and how they operate and and build their awareness level not only for the sake of being better teammates but just for being better inside their own homes and and, in their own communities someday so i don't know i I look at that toughness word as it's a recovery word to me it's just how quickly you can recover from events Mm. that occur inside of your life and because you need to, life moves on, Uh, people pass, but life continues to move in its direction. And uh, I I think toughness is just a lot of recovery moments where you just move on to the next experience, not forgetting what you just went through, you learn something from it, but um, it's moving on to the next level of what you
1: need to do in order for your family or for your team, uh, because they're depending on you. Brings us back to impact. Mm-hmm. Brings us back to relationships. Mm-hmm. It's a certified audio gold moment right there, Corbes. Wow. <laughs> didn't Didn't know we were creating yeah, that. We did. We were all over it. Yeah. Um. You know, there, there's there's this the word uh, adversity, and obviously this program experienced an adverse moment, a, a heartfelt moment, losing Donnie. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it earlier. And I think there's a place where, you know, this comes up in programs, and and you had to live through that as the leader of this program mm-hmm. and and bring these players with you and I think maybe a, a more humanizing moment to bring it full circle, of, man, this is we're much deeper than baseball here. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we're talking impact, we're talking relationships, we're talking measuring success. When you go back to that adverse moment, how did you find, this is a personal question, how did you find the gumption? How did you find the toughness in that moment to stand in front of your team and address them? How did you get through it? Mm-hmm. How did it impact you as a leader?
0: Well, I, I think you only have one option. Uh, when something like that happens, There, there's no guide to, here yeah. you go, here's how you nope. do it. You, you, you just do it, you act on instinct. But the most important thing is is the players at that point. It, mm. It's the players and the family of that person. Yeah. And I think that's when you go into full-on protective mode. You're You're just trying to protect the emotions of the kids right. you're trying to help explain what happened and not the whys of it cuz no one knows but you just trying to explain to them that this is part of life and although it's it's not fair and you didn't ask for this this is this is the hand that we were all dealt and now we as a group have to work through it together right and that was that was torturous I mean that was uh, gone through it as a as a coach at Presbyterian College right. and then went through it here mm-hmm. um, and also gone through it as a person that took his own life prior to coming to Vanderbilt so mm-hmm. when young people are lost in your program it, it is very very painful it's very painful to watch from an outsider looking in it's painful to watch the family and but it's painful to watch these kids because when you're mm. 18 19 years old and you've never been faced with death before right. then you you're left to help explain it to them along with their parents so we it, it happened at a time that was at the end of the season yeah. and it I'm I'm I, it didn't hit for us, it hit right away, but it didn't really hit until the kids came back again the, the very mm. next year. And that's when I thought grief started to set, set in a little bit wow. and dig in and pull us down a little bit emotionally. And I don't, I don't think we started to come back out of that until we were a year out. And then before we played Clemson in, in the regional, I knew that the anniversary was coming about and I had thought about it many, many, many times. And mm. I always asked Maggie, think, how am I going to approach this? Yeah. And I just felt the best way to approach it was a week out and say, when this time comes, we're, we're going to finally have to put this down. We're going to have to start celebrating him mm. because we've, we've grieved about Donnie for a long period of time. Right. We've got to get to the point where we can start celebrating him and enjoying who he was and the opportunity that we got to be around him. Right. And, you know, through that, I, I think we were, we were able to, to grow a little bit more, and we were able to, not because we worked through a regional and not because we won a regional, but I just felt at that point it was almost a little bit of a release. Mm-hmm. The positive of it is we gained such a close relationship with Donnie's mom and dad. right? and they're very attached to our program right right now and we're very attached to them and had that not happened you know you develop relationships with parents but they're not like that like that no and that relationship is is long lasting they've become staff members almost and so that we've been they're they're part of our lives now they feel like family members and I, i know they feel that way too um so that's the goodness that that
1: came from that loss wow You know, you and a wise coach, you know, we we, as young coaches always crave perspective. You don't have Mm -hmm. it unless you get it through experience. Mm -hmm. And going through an experience like that, do you feel like your perspective on the bigger scale here, the 30,000 foot view, do you feel like that got enhanced by going through that experience for your players, with your players? Do you feel like it, it, it changed in terms of really helping put... This game, this program, college baseball—your help put that in perspective for you.
0: It helped, but I just think we're, you know, we're humans. We always need to be joggled back into gotcha. back in our lane again. Yep. You know, I think sometimes we can get off lane and think that something is way more important than than what it is. But at the same time, I think that was a, a situation that. Um, it certainly, at the, at the time, it, it put a lot of perspective on things, but uh, and still to this day it does. Right. But not that you need overpowering moments like that, because no. you, you, don't, you don't want those moments. We, those, those are very, uh, as I said, they're torturous, they're powerful, and there is no match for grief. Grief wants to come in. It's going to do what it does. Hmm. It, it doesn't matter what you do, and you think you can defend it. You, there's no, no defense for grief. Um, especially someone that is you know so young and you feel like there's so many good years ahead of this right, guy right and I don't even want to talk about the baseball element of Donnie because yep. the baseball element of Donnie was so special but the secondary the personality of Donnie was so special yeah. this was a uh, this was a very positive uh, enthusiastic young man that had a lot to give and uh, that that was unfortunate
1: gotcha you know, there's a, um, I'm intrigued by this question. I, I actually wrote this on the plane. I felt pretty proud that I was going to ask you okay. this. Um, you're very self-aware. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. When you look at where you still need to grow, it, can you can you pull back the, the shield that I'm going to put around you as Superman? Can you pull that down for a minute and tell me what areas you need to work on where you're still trying to improve personally?
0: Sure. Uh, I mean, to me, that's easy. I mean, okay. I think there's... Yeah patience uh, the ability to to, to to teach in a uh, in a more skilled way I, I just think that as life grows and as technology grows and as kids uh, listening skills change you're you're always confronted with at least I am with with trying to be the best teacher I possibly can be sure but a lot of that is contingent on my own uh, my personality traits and 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 how I feel about myself. So I just think that, you know, when think the improvement of of myself and uh, I don't want to say the best version of yourself. I, I just think the the ability to stay current, the the ability to stay mentally sharp, the ability to stay in shape. You know, yeah. you, I think in order to keep up with these these kids, you, you, there has to be a, a fitness level that you demand of yourself that you. you you have to be compliant too; otherwise mm. they're they're going to um, the kids are going to escape you but I'm I, I don't th- think there's a day that goes by that I don't look at myself and and say I, I've got to be better here I've got to be better there uh, it, it could be any area but I, I think mm. patience is probably the one area that, um, that I, I certainly have to continue to to be better at and grow grow more in
1: okay uh, the best teammates, the best people in baseball, the best uh, players you've been around, mm-hmm. what qualities, if you boil all them together, what qualities really jump out to you?
0: Um,
1: Almost defining successful people, what, what would jump off?
0: To me, it's easy. It's, it's just you could see that in the most natural way, everything that they were doing and the decisions they were made were based solely on the people around them. Mm. and for the betterment of the people around them. It wasn't what they said. They weren't saying I'm doing this because I'm a a great teammate. It was just a a natural thing. And I don't have to bring up the names, but when you ask me that question, uh, visually I'm going to those those people. I know what Mm -hmm. they look like. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring them to life. To the, to the players in the classroom because I just think it's so important for them to understand the components of what that person looks like hmm. because at the end of it sheets, those are all choices that someone can make. Right. And when a person is thrust into the, from going from independence to interdependence and once you decide to be part of a team, then you have the ability to adjust and calibrate your own thoughts and choices and decisions based on the people around you. And if you choose not to do that, then really what you are doing is you're moving away from interdependence and moving more towards independence. Mm -hmm. And I think the kids that have the ability to do it, some of it's innate, but I would say I've seen it, and a lot of coaches have seen it, they've seen the growth of a person that was very singular, Minded, yep. but then they grew inside of an environment where they just looked upon being a teammate as such a such a gift. Yeah. you know, such yeah. a something that oh my gosh, this feels so good. I mm-hmm. never, I di- I just didn't know this this could happen. Now I would say that in our world today, it is very difficult to get those kids naturally. Sure, because I think a lot of it, not tucking down, but. I just think a lot of what we're doing with baseball at the amateur level, it's, it's, it's how much I can get. Yeah. And a lot of that is stimulated by adults. A lot of choices that kids are making are are made because they're maneuver, maneuvered by the adults ahead of them. That's right. And that's, that's not good. So... There is a rewiring process that needs to take place for certain kids, and, mm-hmm. and, but rewiring in a way where they can start to understand that this is healthy. This is a healthy way to perceive my career right. by being entrenched in other people. And then when you start to understand what that feels like and really how it moves you as an individual, mm. you, you start to connect the pieces of, of what team spirit
1: really is. Oh my gosh! When you find that, great things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna leave you with this best advice you've ever been given, and other advice for coaches. Anybody listen to this? What would you offer them? Well, this is so simplistic in nature, but it, it's just you
0: really, really have to be yourself. I mean, be yourself. Yep. I mean there, there's John Winken was John Winken. Augie Garrido was Augie Garrido. Uh, the, the 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 mold has been it's been broken. It's gone. Yeah. I think you take a, a lot of things from a lot of people yeah. but at the end of it you have to stay in your lane just be who you are and I I think the the growth element of of just a, as a coach we and a teacher mm-hmm. you there's a you have to be continually uh, stimulated by your own growth in order to grow the people around you. I think that's, if, if you're not growing as an individual, then it's very difficult for the people around you to grow with you. And I think that goes hand in hand with marriage, yep. or anything else, you know, it is about you growing yourself for the betterment of other people.
1: We're honored to have men like you inside the ABCA. We appreciate Come what you sheets. do. Come on, Sheets. Come on now, I gotta <laughs> give it to a, you.
0: It's just a a nice discussion. I love That's it. it. Thanks, thanks for
1: jumping on with me. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you, She. Appreciate it. Coaches, thanks for checking out our calls from the clubhouse podcast and another one of our dugout chatter episodes here at the American Baseball Coaches Association. Our job is to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information about our coaching fraternity. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at ABCA1945. If you want to reach out to me directly, do that through Twitter, at CoachSheets3, or by email, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org we'd love to hear from our loyal members we'd like to hear from some new members and continue to find ways to work together at growing the game of baseball huge thanks to the sponsor of our dugout cheddar shows our great partners over at rawlings if you're looking for more information about what they're doing for baseball and this coaching fraternity head over to their website rawlings.com that's r-a-w-l-i-n-g-s.com and thanks again guys for your support As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our calls on the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball.